0: This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the greatest MCU movie of all time crossover podcast, the show that uses a unique rating style to redefine what the greatest MCU movies are. I'm Tom Duncan. And I'm Adam. If you want the first half of our discussion on the movie, you can subscribe to the Streaming Circuit podcast for that. But we're here now to apply the patent pending Stan Lee rubric started by my regular show Greatest Movie of All Time podcast to determine the greatest MCU movie of all time. We're here to discuss the third film of Phase 2 and our ninth movie in the series with Captain America, the Winter Soldier, originally released on April 4th, 2014, directed by Joe and Anthony Russo written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, music by Henry Jackman, starring Chris Evans as Steve Rogers slash Captain America, Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff slash Black Widow, Sebastian Stan as Bucky Barnes slash The Winter Soldier, Anthony Mackie as Sam Wilson slash Falcon, Kobe Smulders as Maria Hill and Adam's favorite character, Frank Grillo (laughs) as Brock Rumlow, Emily Van Camp as Sharon Carter slash Agent 13, Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter, Toby Jones as Arnim Zola, Jenny Agutter as Hawley, Robert Redford as Alexander Pierce, Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, Maximiliano Hernandez as Jasper Sitwell, Gary Shandling as Senator Stern, and Georges St. Pierre as Georges Batrock. Let's just do a quick plot summary here for you. In a gritty and politically charged world, Captain America finds himself questioning his allegiance to a government shrouded in secrecy, set against the backdrop of a morally ambiguous Cold War. Steve Rogers uncovers a sinister conspiracy within the highest echelons of power. When an old friend believed to be dead reemerges as the deadly Winter Soldier, Cap must navigate a web of deceit, betrayal, and espionage. As Cap battles his own doubts and confronts a shadowy organization manipulating global affairs... He forms an unlikely alliance with a renegade Black Widow and a war-scarred Falcon. Together, this trio of outsiders takes on a cabal of powerful figures orchestrating a plot to reshape the world order. With intense action, razor-sharp dialogue, and a soundtrack that pulses with tension, Captain America the Winter Soldier is a thrilling roller coaster ride through a world where the line between hero and villain blurs into shades of gray. Alright, any guesses on the budget for this film?
1: Oh, I'm going to say this one was one hundred and ninety million.
0: That's not terribly far off, but uh, a little bit lower. One hundred and sixty million. You're in the sweet spot, but it's one hundred and seventy to one hundred and seventy seven million projected. And among all MCU films, where is this ranked in total box office? I
1: would guess probably in the middle. I think it made... I'm going to guess around 780 million. Am I in the in the neighborhood?
0: You're in the right neighborhood. I'm still looking for the number, though, among the films.
1: No, yeah, I know. I just was trying to gauge if that was close to what it
0: made. It's a little under that. It's 714 million worldwide. Okay, so, I don't know, 14th? 19. Oh, okay. Total domestic box office, 259.8 million. Domestic opening weekend, 95 million. I think that's what doubled the amount the Marvels did in their entire run. <laughs> Something like that. No, yeah, no. 95. The Marvels is dead last for gross, by the way. I mean, it was bad. It was bad. Not, not good. All right. Critics scores for this one. Rotten Tomatoes had a what? Uh, I'm going to guess 89. Wow. That's, that's pretty damn close. 90. Ah, That's a win for me. I'll count it. It's in the ballpark. Metacritic had? Um, I feel like
1: Metacritic is more in line with Korn's thinking. So it's going to be, it's a really great movie. So I'm going to guess like a 7.4.
0: 70. I'll take it.
1: That's stupid. The 70? Give me a break. Fucking Metacritic.
0: 70 according to their metric. Is supposedly a very good film, watchable, but you have to hit like 80 to be a must-see movie. 90% or higher is a all-time classic. So you're correct in saying that it's, it's like corndogs thinking.
1: This grading system is wild to me. I mean, my high school, a 70 was a D. like 69 failed the class. Like a 90 was not acceptable for me. If I got a 90, I was upset. I needed to be a 95 or higher, and it's wild to me. That these scales are like, oh, well, well, 89, or 90, all-time classic. Like, really? Okay. All right. Dumb. Participation generation.
0: Or your high school grading was uh, unusual compared to basically everyone else. Bunch of participation motherfuckers.
1: You get an an award, and you get an award. uh, No, we fail kids. We fail kids here. We weed out the dum-dums from the smart smarts
0: here. And uh, who has come out of Maine all the better for it? Um, well, there was that guy. That guy.
1: Uh, and um, <laughs> and her. his friend. They both did really well. So,
0: Okay. What do you think the letterbox was for this one? 4.1. 3.7. Ah, wrong. I mean, letterbox is for more people like Corns anyway, so I'm not faulting it too much for that. Wrong,
1: wrong score. This is
0: a better movie than that, but oh well. All right. Did you know, unlike other films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, this movie minimized the use of visual effects as much as possible. Anthony Mackey elaborated, the Russos, what did they do that was so great? They wanted to stay with live action, which is a dying art form. If they could build it, they built it. If we could do it, we did it. They wanted to do as little CGI as possible. That's why the movie looks so great. Did you know Anthony Mackie's appearance in this film fulfills his dream of playing a Marvel comic book character? He wrote a series of email pleas to Marvel wanting to play any character that would appear on film, though the studio repeatedly replied to him that they will respond in due time. Mackie's emails caught the attention of producer Kevin Feige, who subsequently offered him the role of Sam Wilson, AKA Falcon. Did you know Nick Fury relates a story of his grandfather being an elevator operator. In real life, Samuel L. Jackson's grandfather was actually an elevator operator. Did you know? The mall shopping center in which Black Widow and Captain America visit in order to find the origin of the encrypted USB stick is called the Tower City Center in Cleveland, Ohio. The front of the building and its concourse were used in the Avengers as the opera hall in which Loki confronts German opera patrons. So you can knock out two different MCU films if you go to the mall. Today, everybody come and play. Did you know when Alexander Pierce, Robert Redford, is opening his refrigerator, a jar of Newman's own sauce is visible on the shelf. An apparent homage to Redford's longtime friend and two time co-star, Paul Newman. So there you go. And with that, we'll take our first break and we'll be right back. Before we jump back into the episode, next month, we are discussing the 10th movie in our crossover podcast series with Guardians of the Galaxy from 2014, written and directed by James Gunn, with Nicole Perlman, music by Tyler Bates, starring Chris Pratt, Zoe Zaldana, Vin Diesel, Bradley Cooper, and Dave Bautista. You won't want to miss that one, so watch ahead of the show by searching the Real Good app to find where it's streaming for you. That's R-E-E-L-G-O-O-D. All right. If you would never listened to the show before, that's okay. My regular show, Greatest Movie of All Time podcast, uses our patent-pending Stanley rubric to grade movies on their legacy, their impact and significance in the moment of their release, their novelty, their classicness, and their rewatchability. Plus, then we give all of you some points, too, by incorporating the audience scores from both Google and Rotten Tomato users. So, Adam, Legacy is up first. Do you want to go first or second? You take this one. I'll go second. All right. So, I think... Industry-wise, this is a little harder to judge. Industry is always a little bit more difficult when it comes to the MCU films than ones that we normally do on the regular show. I would say because this introduces several characters that have long-reaching effects, namely that we get the Winter Soldier who's in at least three more films and a TV series, the Falcon in the same direction. We get Agent 13 slash Sharon Carter who does become at least something down the line so we're introduced to a new larger cast of characters and to a degree this is kind of like a soft reboot within its own series I think that it gets a little bit of credit for opening up kind of a new universe in some ways and to a degree is kind of like a re-origin film in a way none of the other films really has to be so I went with about a four on this one not to mention that this is the first real team up that we get of the Russos McFeely and Marcus which obviously would become the bigger tandem when it comes to civil war. And then obviously the bigger movies, infinity war and end game. So I give it a little bit of credence on that side, but I also give it the same credence on the audience side, because I think the audience recognizes this as one of the better films of, I would say the pre phase three era that I think this is a turning point for captain America as a character where, We already mentioned that the first Avenger doesn't have like a great box office. He was somewhat of a secondary character going into the Avengers. And yes, he gets a little bit more screen time than even like Thor or the Hulk, but he's kind of not Tony Stark. And by the end of this movie, I think he moves up a grade. If he's not one B to Tony Stark, he's at least number two. He's a clear number two by the end of this movie for most people's attention. And I would say the audience connection. So I went with a four and a four. I have an eight.
1: Well, great minds think alike. I also went with a four and a four for a total of an eight. Um, I agree with what you said. Industry wise, you know, it gave us Joe and Anthony Russo kind of the beginning of that and that team with Marcus and McFeely. And it also kind of kicked off. I feel like these bigger studio movies taking chances on directors that you would not think of. Um, I mean, these two guys directed a lot of community, um, and they directed like Yumi and Dupree, I think.
0: Oh, really? I believe,
1: I believe was them as well. Yeah, they did. I mean, they did like comedy stuff and everything and, and no one would have thought like, oh, these two can direct a, a spy thriller in a superhero movie. And so I, I think what Kevin Feige did, taking a chance on them really opened the doors for a lot of people down the line for different opportunities that they might not have gotten So I think that was huge for the industry and then the public. Like you said, this is one of the most highly regarded movies still in the MCU. A lot of people still think it's the best movie the MCU's ever done. So, yeah, I think a four and a four is more than appropriate.
0: All right. Well, the average is pretty easy then. It's an eight. Let's move to impact and significance then. Do you want to go first or second?
1: I suppose I'll go first. I gave uh, same thing, same thing, four and a four for me in this category this movie kind of felt like a shift in the MCU from like, these movies are really good and they're really fun to like, Oh, these movies can be great. And this kind of kicked off like phase three is I think the best phase of Marvel of the three phases. I think they put out pretty much every movie was uh, an absolute home run other than like Captain Marvel. Like every movie was a home run. And this kind of kicked off that stretch a little bit because it's this right into guardians of the galaxy, which is another great movie. So I think this just, absolutely took the mcu to the next level and then the public so for me i'm big into the movies i'm big into the comic book superhero stuff in the movie front i've never read comic books really as a kid so i don't have much knowledge of it and i had no idea who the winter soldier was i didn't know bucky was resurrected by hydra to be the winter soldier so when that moment happened in the movie my jaw hit the floor i was like oh shit what's about to happen here Like it was an unbelievable moment. One of the best reveals the MCU has ever done. And I have a feeling I'm definitely not alone in that. And so that even that one singular moment for me is huge for impact significance. And I think this movie is just really awesome. And I think the audience really loves this movie.
0: So I'm pretty close to you again on this. I only changed slightly in that I have a 4.5 for the industry because I think it's a bigger thing for Marvel than it is necessarily for the audience. While the audience does remember this film, I think they remember Civil War just a little bit more because it feels like the continuation of this film where we get a little bit more resolution with the Bucky storyline specifically. But the fact that you introduce Bucky as the Winter Soldier, which becomes a huge plot line going into Infinity War and eventually Endgame, you introduce the Falcon, who obviously will take over the mantle coming up again, And you make Captain America a much bigger player overall in this larger sense. And I'll even say this. When Marvel was first doing this, like, everything is interconnected TV series crap. When they had Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on, on ABC, there's a giant plot hole in that series where this movie affects what happens on that show because the unearthing of HYDRA and that it was sleeper cells within shield itself completely changed that TV series. So Marvel had been planning this entire movie to be the linchpin with what they built the MCU going forward, that you have the dissolution of shield that Nick Fury becomes less of a significant character that the Avengers are operating kind of out in their own. And it sets up civil war, which I would say is probably the most important phase three movie. And well, at least outside of the two Avenger movies. As far as plotline, I think it's the most important phase three movie. And you get this collaboration between your great writing staff and your directors that probably cement what, for most people, is the important tent poles of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as it was for Infinity War. So I have a 4.5 and a 4. I have an 8.5 overall. So that's an 8.25 average between the two of us. Novelty, I think I telegraphed this a little bit on part one, but I have this as a full 10. I think this is possibly the most novel film of the MCU, which is why I go this high. Because like, if this was a graded novelty score among all films, it's not going to be this high. But judged against solely the 33 films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, this is a series that shouldn't work. And I think this is the best written script, best written plot of the entire MCU. For me, the only one that would come close as far as full novelty is probably Infinity War. But outside of that, I give this one probably the full credit. So I'm going a 10 here.
1: Not the movie with with the talking
0: raccoon in the tree?
1: That's not novelty? Where all
0: the dialogue is, is I am Groot?
1: So are you just judging novelty based on the screenplay? The quality of it? Is that what you're going off of novelty?
0: I don't think I, I judge it solely. I think this movie is executed at a high level. Again, the lack of CGI, the practical effects, that's always made up a, a significant portion of what novelty is to me. But I think more than anything, it makes up for any deficits it might have in some other areas with, to me, how creative of the storyline it is. Because this movie, if you're just presented with the facts where Captain America is a man out of time and somehow you have to make the Winter Soldier comeback feel relevant, have a rather high stakes espionage thing where you're blowing up shield and resupplanting it with like Hydra agents from all over and interweaving at least three or four major characters that are new, completely new all to their own into this script. Not only is it a good job of casting, it's a good job of directing. It's a good job of writing. I just think this is a movie that shouldn't work and works at every turn, at least for me.
1: No, I agree with you. I went with an eight. I think it is pretty novel. You're getting a little Um,
0: predictable here.
1: Yeah, I am. I am. We're going to change it up a little bit here as we go. I promise the next categories won't be an eight. This is the first like real genre movie they did. You know, the the first, what, eight movies were all kind of rinse and repeat to some degree. Um, They were all kind of the same thing. This one really steps out and does something very different than the rest of them. I guess you could say the first Captain America is a war film. So I guess maybe... This is the second one, but this one really takes a wild swing differently than the rest of them. So uh, so it gets pretty high marks there. But also at the end of the day, it's hard for me to give any of these movies like real tens for novelty because, you know, it's a sequel. So we've seen almost all of these characters before other than like Falcon and what's his name? Redford's character. So I'll give Alexander
0: it Pierce. Yeah. 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 All right. So that's a nine between the two of us. Classicness. So I think in the way that we've had to readapt what classicness means within the MCU, does it have any characters that we just like create storylines for and then never follow up on? I would say this actually is one of the few examples where we created three or four new major characters and then followed up on all of their storylines. Agent 13, Falcon, Winter Soldier. Technically, Alexander Pierce even comes back in Endgame so I think this actually does have a lot better legs than you would, you would normally necessarily expect. I have kind of a nine. Well, we're going to
1: flip roles here because I gave it a 10. I think this movie is the perfect classicness for an MCU movie. It's fantastic. It, it'll, it's, it's not dated at all. You could watch it anytime and think, oh, this was made last year. It, yeah. it, the cinematography is fantastic. The acting is great. The fight scenes are visceral and brutal. And they're amazing. I think this is, I still think this is, might be the
0: best movie they've ever done. It's a lot better CGI than Shang-Chi.
1: Oof. Oof. Your drive-bys of Shang-Chi are questionable. They're coming.
0: I'm coming for that movie.
1: Questionable. You could have said The Flash. Why didn't you say The Flash?
0: Because it's an MCU pod.
1: Well, sure. Superheroes, same thing.
0: Tomato, tomato. Anyway, that's a 9.5 average between the two of us. Rewatchability, So I'm not going to apply your piss test, but I have a four and a four. I turn this movie on all the time, but it's probably the one I turn on the third, most of the captain America series. I think it's civil war one, first Avenger two, and this one third, but I watch all of them regularly. Like I never skip over these anytime I'm doing a timeline watch or, you know, if there's one of them that's just suggested first and, you're flipping through Disney plus or whatever else. I have no problem putting this one on over any of the others. I just probably return to the other two a little bit more often because those are more of my favorites. And I don't know what it is about this one that it's just not quite as high as the other two for me. But if it's on or if I find it in the right spot within this movie, like if you're. I would say right before Nick Fury dies, like anywhere from about the Nick Fury car ride through about I would say the bunker scene, that's going to be in a good stretch where I'm going to sit and I'm going to watch this whole thing. Then there's some pieces, right? Like when you supposedly think they have sex that I'm just like, all right, I can sit this out did. for uh, about a 20 minute period or whatever else. I'll come back and we'll get to the hell fight fright. And then I'll finish up the movie or something like that. I think that's part of the reason why I, I just don't think it continues along the same trajectory. It has a few spots where it gets a little slow for me. But I'll go a four and a four. I have an eight.
1: All right. Well, if you're not applying my piss test, then I don't I don't know what you're talking about, splitting the category. I don't recognize the other one you do. But I so, see. OK, uh, yeah, so <laughs> I went with a four and a so half he
0: who shall not be named because he doesn't listen. Yes, exactly. Yes.
1: He who shall not be named. Uh, I went four and a half and four and a half with a nine. I think this movie is almost perfectly rewatchable up until Colby smolders, And then at that point in the movie, <laughs> and it's not even, I'm not like, I'm saying that to be funny. Like it's true, but I'm kind of saying that in jest. Like from that part on, like I'm not a big fan of the helicarrier fight. I don't think it's that great. Um, it's my least favorite part of the movie. If you were breaking into the acts, like one, two and three, the third act is by far my least favorite of this movie. And when she comes in, that's kind of the start of the third act. So at that point, I wouldn't pause it. If I had to go to the bathroom, I had to go take a piss. I, I would let it run. But the first two acts, I absolutely would pause it if I had to get up. Because I think the first two acts are just are just perfect. They're unbelievable. Third act is still good, but it's it's not great for me.
0: All right. So that is an eight point five average between the two of us. So for audience score, we had an 84% for Google users and a 92% for Rotten Tomato users, giving us an 8.8. So to recap the categories, we had an eight for Legacy, an 8.25 for Impact and Significance, a 9 for Novelty, a 9.5 for Classicness, an 8.5 for Rewatchability, and an 8.8 for Audience Score, giving us a final total of 52.05. And where do you think that place is currently on our list?
1: I'm going to take a shot. I think it's number one. I think it passed Avengers. Not quite. It's number two. Ah.
0: Past Iron Man. Though. So Avengers is still number one at 54.55. Number two will be the Winter Soldier at 52.05. And Iron Man is at number three now with 49.4. Solid top three. But I think this is about the right order. Like, I go, looking back on it, like if we were to do a revisit of Iron Man at some point, I wonder if that might move up, that it might be a victim of going first. Because I think to some people... That film might be ahead of this one. But I think given that we think this is what really kicks off the Marvel momentum of the phase three and that sort of thing, I I would guess that this does get quite high marks. So I don't know if too many fans of the MCU are going to really have a lot to say alternatively against this.
1: I'll say of all the movies we've done, if you gunned to my head, told me I had to pick one to watch, I would pick this one
0: of the ones we've done so far.
1: Yeah, I would I would I would choose to watch this one over Avengers.
0: I guess what is the Captain America order for you? Favorite would be
1: Civil War, Winter Soldier, First Avenger. But if we're talking. okay, so then, yeah, we both have Civil War
0: as one. Yeah,
1: Civil War is like a perfect movie.
0: I think I would agree with you. This Civil War is more fun, but I don't I don't know if it rises to the same heights that this one does.
1: I think this is a better movie just like movie making wise, but civil war, I mean, is unbelievable. I think it's the best Spider-Man we've ever gotten ever in that movie. Black Panther is unbelievable. The movie is the airport battle is just unreal. It's definitely my favorite.
0: Well, but you're also getting two fairly large characters that will come to kind of define the last phase of Marvel with Spider-Man and Black Panther. So I do think that one's going to place highly on this one. I don't know if it'll beat this film though.
1: I mean, I know for some categories, it's
0: definitely going to beat it for me. I think for re- rewatchability, it'll be higher for me, but I don't know if it'll grade yeah. higher than... It's not going to grade higher on novelty. Yeah,
1: I don't
0: know. I guess we'll have to see. Well, obviously, it can't grade higher on novelty for me than a 10. That's as high as it goes.
1: That's true. You got to work on your teases, man. Stay tuned. 2027. Find out.
0: I don't think it'll go quite that far. I mean, what? We've got Guardians next, then... Age of Ultron Ant-Man and then what starts the phase then, then three it's Civil War is that the first one so yeah we only have till probably May
1: yeah well we're, 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 we'll record in May you know I think oh yeah it'll June release
0: episode. in June excuse me yeah, yeah you're right
1: yeah so actually not too far look at that we'll be done before we know it question though question though important two questions actually one how irresponsible is Captain America that he he puts this highly sensitive information thing that's all important in a goddamn vending machine?
0: Where else was he going to put it?
1: Three rows deep of Hubba Bubba. I mean, that's some that's popular gum. I mean, what did he think was going to happen? He thought that just, was just never going to sell out?
0: Yeah, you put it behind the whatchamacallits or the jujubes. Those things will never go. Or don't do that. Or, that's how a about, Like the peanut butter crackers are never fully gone.
1: Yeah, I suppose. That's question one. Question two, where does this movie rank for you in the My Big Fat Greek Wedding series?
0: Boy, it's hard for this to ever top the highs of the original My Big Fat Greek Wedding. That was an absolute sensation. Like, my mother and my sisters loved that film. So I don't know if I'd have it above that one. But given how low two and three went, I would probably have it sandwiched between... Like, maybe a 1B behind the original, but definitely ahead of 2 and 3, where it just looked like they were kind of phoning it in and doing a cash grab.
1: Mm. I think it's easily number one for me. I'm not a fan of that franchise. I saw the first one, and I that was enough for the me. The first one's fun. I, didn't, the need first to, one's I fun. didn't need to see 2 or 3 after that one. I was good. I got the
0: gist. There's a wedding. Cool. What else you got? You got Greeks. You got more Greeks. And then you got one guy who's a vegetarian.
1: They make damn good food, though. i tell you what. Oh, yeah, they do. That tzatziki sauce or whatever they do. Mm-hmm. That shit.
0: There's some good Greek food in Madison.
1: The Greek, the Greek restaurant here closed. I was very sad. They closed down. I enjoyed their food. Mm. Oh, well.
0: All right. Any final remaining thoughts that we can extend this episode out longer than it should be?
1: True. I want to make you edit a little more. So let's see. What do I want to bring up?
0: I'm usually used to about 45 minutes, so yeah.
1: Yeah, we went super
0: long on my pod. What's that about? (laughs) That was just me kind of trolling you. That and the time discussion.
1: I'm just going to delete the whole chunk of it. I'm not even going to listen to it. I'm just going to be like, this this part is gone. I don't know what it is, but it's gone. And then we'll
0: work from there. That's going to be the time discussion the time that took like 20 minutes for us to try and do the time loops and all the other shit. You know,
1: I still don't think I'm, I'm fully over it though. The time discussion, this movie. So what do you think happens then? You're going to try and do it again? I'm going to do it again. We're not done. Maybe I some already people... told you.
0: Unless I have a whiteboard, I can't explain it to you. You apparently can't follow my thinking, and I definitely don't follow yours. Uh, well, so m- what's you know, the
1: point? Maybe some people don't listen to my podcast. Maybe they're jerks and like I just listen to yours, so you know, we can refresh you know, we and we can, we can enlighten them. So what do you think happens in Endgame then? What that do you mean, he's... what do
0: I think happens in Endgame?
1: How do you think he gets back to the bench if you think he's in a different
0: universe? I don't think he's in a different universe. I already established that that didn't happen. Well, now that's kooky talk. What do you mean? Oh, Jesus. We're going to do this again. We're going to do it again. I'm not over it. We're, we're just on a time loop of ourselves.
1: Yeah, we're on a Mobius strip, and it's just never going to end. We're, we're trying to fight. Is it Umamu?
0: Or... What the hell are you talking about? Dormammu? Is that who you're referring? Dormammu. Thank you. We're, we're just on the planet Dormammu and constantly being disintegrated and then just going back in a time loop.
1: I don't I don't think Dormammu is a planet, first of all. I think it's a it's a thing. I don't know. You're thinking of Ego the living planet.
0: That's for the true nerds to like criticize me for. The ones who actually read the comics. Yeah, well, neither of us do. I criticize the movies cuz I like the movies.
1: Yeah. I don't I just uh, he's so you think he okay. do, let's, do let's you think understand he time traveled? Okay. Back Here's to the, bench? the
0: common ground. Yeah. Between the two of us. Sure. We both believe that he goes back because there have not been an establishment of multi universes yet a multiverse for him to travel into other dimensions or other universes. So he is living out that life, but because he had to live out a linear timeline where he was not originally the husband, there was an original husband. And that's my argument is, is that in order for life to happen, because there has to be a chicken and an egg, in the original scenario, where he lives linearly forward, he cannot then go into the past and then also be the husband at the same time in the first version of that timeline. So there can be multiple timelines within the same universe.
1: Okay, I think that's where you're wrong. I think you saying there has to be a chicken and an egg or whatever, I think that's where you're wrong.
0: That's fine. I, I think. You can think I'm wrong. But that's the rules as I believe they were explained in Endgame.
1: Yeah, no, I think th- I think your chicken and egg thing is where you're wrong. would be my guess. I think that they there just there is like there is no beginning and end. They're just it, it just is it is it is what it is. You know, it's a Mobius strip. There's no beginning. There's no end.
0: It's 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 all. So it's like God, the father. He just exists. It's Let all there instantaneous.
1: Be everything is happening all at once. That God forsaken movie, everything ever all at once. It's all happening at the same time. <laughs> Oh, God. So you believe that there are multiple timelines that we've watched. So how does that make sense then when going back to the past can't change the future? How does that make any sense? Because that would change the timeline from the other husband to this husband to Steve.
0: If, if you want to say that Marvel doesn't follow its own rules and you want to present a situation where that wouldn't apply. How about Steve Rogers going back in time and becoming a variant of himself? That shouldn't be pruned by the TVA.
1: Well, yeah, the TVA thing doesn't make any sense. That, that Yeah, they completely lost the plot with that. And I, they're going to probably do something. I mean, I love
0: the Loki series, clearly. I think yeah. it's by far their best TV series. But it presents some challenges within the rules of the Marvel Universe that they don't follow all the time. But again, it's like. Anytime you watch something, you have to buy into the rules they establish in the movie. They teach you how to watch the movie that you're supposedly watching. At least a good movie does. Yeah. But they don't always follow the rules from one movie to the next.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, this movie was also made five years before Endgame was. So they I don't know if they knew exactly what they were going to do. So, OK, do you think he time traveled to the bench then in Endgame or do you think he was just there? No, Cause he knew because he lived I think there. He and just
0: he... walked there I think he walked there in his, he got in his Buick and uh, went out to the park bench and met them there as an old man.
1: So he, so he, okay, so he lived, he grew Correct. old He becomes our time, old. So, so he grew old in our timeline. Correct. During the period where okay. he was
0: also in ice.
1: Well, yeah, but also during the period of winter soldier and everything as well. He was Correct. growing old. He was like in his late sixties or not late, 60s, late. 70s when winter soldier occurred or whatever you want to say whatever age
0: now did that steve rogers also survive the snap i don't know maybe not he might not have i don't know that i can't tell you but what i can
1: tell you is he was damn sure married to peggy the whole goddamn time and she was messing with his head and she was pretending to have alzheimer's because she knew it's the Stephen strange argument if okay. you tell him what's going to happen, I think we it's need to go back happen.
0: and rewatch that movie. Because aren't there like bedside photos that have there like are. her husband in them? I don't believe and so. Also, uh, it's Peggy and kids. Also, also, if Sharon is her favorite niece, wouldn't she know that Steve was already married to her favorite aunt, and she's also then in on the conspiracy? So what you're saying is, is there's a multi level conspiracy?
1: No, Sharon has no idea of anything.
0: I don't think. Why Peggy... wouldn't she? Well. It establishes it in Civil War that she's her favorite niece. No, yeah. No, so they must that. have spent yeah. a bunch of time together. She eulogizes her. Yeah. Well, excuse me. You Googleizes her. So maybe
1: Steve went by a different name. He probably had a different name when he came back. He was like, "Well, we obviously can't call me Steve Rogers because there's another one running around." So I'll be
0: Jim Bob. Jim Bob. Jim. Not Bob. Ray Ray.
1: Jim Bob Cooter. Call him plays for the Lions. Anyway,
0: <laughs> I think what you, what we've to settle on is is that the more you pick on these films, the less sense they make. True, true. It
1: doesn't. It also doesn't help that the that Marcus and McFeely have a different take than the Russos do. They have differing opinions on what happened. That doesn't help either, and it drives me nuts. I don't understand how that even happens, but that's fine.
0: Whatever. But yeah, but it's, right. a,
1: it's a very heated topic. I don't know. Some people people are very on the fence. Some people don't understand the time travel thing.
0: I don't know. As I put it, I'm just not going to think about it. I watch the movies for what's presented on screen. And outside of that, I'm not going to think about it anymore.
1: Except we do a
0: podcast on it. So you have to think like a lot about it. See, I don't have to think about the rules from podcast to podcast.
1: Maybe there's a, Maybe I'm also in the future in the next podcast. Maybe I'm going to pretend to be sick. And fuck with your head because I know what's about to happen. And I know you need to.
0: You are sick and I know it. True. That's true. But anyway, we digress. So where can everyone find part one of this and you on your social media?
1: Oh, well, you can follow me on Twitter or X or whatever your social pronouns are at the circuit verse. Give us a follow. We do a lot of stuff on movies. We do, uh, we're doing less sports now. I'm not going to lie. We've dialed back the sports a tad because it's a lot. So we've dialed back a little bit, but there's still some you can still check us out. You can check out the first part of this pod on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcasts at the streaming circuit podcast. That's what we're called. You can go check it out. We have a lot of fun. We do a lot of uh, movie tournaments over there too. So if you're interested in kind of mashing sports and movies together, Go check it out. Tom will be on in the coming months for Steven Spielberg movie Madness. So that's exciting.
0: Oh, well, that's me and Dana. But uh, we have a TV one coming up.
1: We do, potentially. Yeah, we do. we got to work it out. have uh haven't nailed it down 100% yet. But yeah, that'll be fun.
0: That's why I sent you that list today. So you knew at least what I had watched. So you can start working on a bracket.
1: Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, the yeah, you're like 128 TV show bracket. Not going to work. No,
0: it's not going to be that. <laughs> I've only gotten through 27 seasons this year. I had 55 56 last year. So, because Spacking. of the strike, it prevented a lot of my season watching. But in earnest, I've finished both Breaking Bad and The Wire. Nice. Knocking out 6 seasons there uh should count towards my my official count total, but I've also watched a lot more older movies this last year and the 1998 dedication that I had for a particular show's guest appearance really also hampered my TV viewing. At this point, I just given the amount of things that I'm guesting on or I'm a part of, or I'm doing favors for it very much feels like I can't ever watch anything for myself anymore.
1: Hmm. Well, that's important. You got to find time for yourself.
0: That's usually my Madden playing.
1: There you go. See, what you got to do is see, you got to do what I do. I mute the TV and I put something on on my laptop. I stream like a show or something while I'm playing Madden or any video game because I don't need the sound for Madden. I don't need fucking Chris Collinsworth telling me what a great pass rush I just did can watch a show.
0: Well, Chris Collinsworth hasn't been on the game in like six or seven years, but I agree with you. That's what I do, except I do it for podcasts.
1: There you go. That works too. But the guest spot you were referring to is my other podcast that I do, The Revisionist's almanac i'm getting better at saying it the revisionist almanac
0: the revolutionaries almanac i got you
1: yes we go through each war in history and and tell you who should have (laughs) won no we go through the oscars it's always the fascists it's always germany always no um (laughs) (laughs) no it's always france right france doesn't doesn't hasn't france is like never won a war right even with themselves even their own civil wars they don't win that's the joke right
0: well, they lost their own Revolutionary War multiple times. They lost the War of 1871 to the Germans. They technically, on the backing of the Germans, just kind of running out of troops, won World War I and then demanded the most concessions, which is kind of telling, even though the Americans and kind of the British bailed their asses out. And World War II, they were completely overrun. So they kind of lost but kind of won that one. They lost the French and Indochina War. They kind of helped the Americans win the Revolutionary War, I guess.
1: Well, I know they definitely lost the War of 2006 and the War of 2022 to Italy and Argentina, respectively. Um, that's got to sting. Oof.
0: That's got to sting. Oof!
1: No, we they don't did go- win yeah. the uh,
0: 2018 War.
1: Ugh. Don't
0: don't talk to me about that. Belgium, we
1: were so close that year. God damn it! Anyway. We don't talk yeah, but about that was wars. only the
0: semifinal. The Croatians got in there.
1: Yeah, well, we were better than everybody. I don't want to hear it. We ruled. No, we don't talk about wars because I wouldn't have much to say. We do talk about the Oscars, though. We go back every Oscars and tell you who should have won because the Academy gets it wrong a lot. So go check out the revisionist almanac on Twitter, on Instagram. You can vote this week. Go vote. There are a bunch of polls coming up so you can vote.
0: Vote for me. This is going to come out after your polls are done.
1: Well, the polls for the next episode will be up, right?
0: I don't think by the time this comes out, they will be coming up in a couple of weeks, aren't they? They're usually the last week of the month.
1: There's polls coming out at some point in time. Vote for me. Whenever the polls come out, there's going to be polls. Vote for them. Um, You can follow us on Twitter and stuff. Find us on Spotify, Apple, all that stuff. At Rev Almanac on social media, but the Revisionist Almanac you can listen to. So yeah, Streaming Circuit, Revisionist Almanac.
0: Go check it out. All right, well, that's a good place to cut it for this month. Thank you for listening. We are Groot. Next month, we discuss the 10th movie in our crossover podcast series with Guardians of the Galaxy from 2014. Written and directed by James Gunn with Nicole Perlman. Music by Tyler Bates, starring Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Vin Diesel, Bradley Cooper, and Dave Bautista. You won't want to miss that one, so watch ahead of the show by searching the Real Good app to find where it's streaming for you.
1: That's R-E-E-L-G-O-O-D.
0: Please like, follow, rate, and review, or whatever on whichever platform you have so that more can join in on our fun. You can also email the show at the new RonnieDuncanStudios.com or at GreatestAllTimeMoviePodcast at gmail.com. Find our new Facebook page on your Greatest Movie of All Time podcast. Or find us on YouTube, Instagram, X, Letterboxd, or TikTok at the handle at gmodepodcast. The Greatest Marvel Movie of All Time is a joint production of Ryan Duncan Studios and the streaming circuit. This show is mixed, edited, and written by Thomas Duncan. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM.